Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Well, Americans anyway. A belated happy Thanksgiving to our Canuck neighbors to the north, and a warm-hearted F you to everyone else who doesn't have Thanksgiving in their country. We've got a special holiday episode today, and we're going to read a story from 1895 called The Merry Thanksgiving of the Burglar and the Plumber. <laughs> That's what we're talking about today on Dead Ideas. Hey, thanks for listening, everybody. We've got a special holiday wildcard episode for you. Welcome to another episode of Public Domain Theater 3000, where we read public domain works because we can and no one can sue us for it. It's going to be one of those kind. Once again, we have a special holiday guest co-host back for another Thanksgiving episode is John Carnes. Hello, this is John. <laughs> this is Brendan. <laughs> I professionally greet you. <laughs> oh, well, thank you. I appreciate it. I feel very welcome. <laughs> professionally so. <laughs> Have you been dreaming of camelid cloaks since last year? Every night. <laughs> yeah, Every that, night it comes back to me. That damn camelid cloak. Just yes. want it so bad. Yes. <laughs> I, I asked for one for Christmas last year, but I, I didn't get it. What? Yeah, Come, on. Come on. No, but no, but ever since then, I've been working on start setting up a, a sweatshop in Indonesia. Oh. Yeah. So, Are, so you're going to start manufacturing? Yeah, yeah. It may be coming to a store near you. That's a good season. side hustle, I think. <laughs> right. Good Thanksgiving hustle. Yes. Yeah. yes. <laughs> anyway, uh, folks, John is here once again to help us rip into today's probably delightful story because remember in these pdt3k episodes i don't read them beforehand so it's supposed to be like you and i are encountering it together for the first time so we're gonna see what comes of this today's story comes from 1895 and was published in mcclure's magazine by octave thanet or thanet i don't know mm, hard to say hard to say and it is entitled a merry thanksgiving of the burglar and the plumber and I do not know what that means, but I'm hoping for a whole new round of heavy-handed holiday moralizing. Yes, the, the only appropriate kind of holiday moralizing. <laughs> yes, exactly. All right, well, let's get into it. So going to our article here. All right, let's see what Mr. Octave Bonnet has for us. All right, he starts off. Miss Eleanor Merriweather went to bed Thanksgiving evening in a graceless frame of mind, at least in a frame of mind that may pass for graceless in a woman of such kindly nature as Miss Merriweather. Hmm, okay. You may go, Robbins, she said to her faithful maid, and you and Harriet, Harriet was the cook, and Matilda, Matilda was the waitress, may all go to that party at James's. James was the gardener. Ooh. I shall not need any of you. What kind of party is this going to be? Yeah, so the gardener's party. I think it's an adventuring party. Well, that, that very well could yeah. be. The, she's yeah. establishing character, like party order here. Yes, that's true. <laughs> I hate to leave you alone, Miss Eleanor, said Robbins, and hesitated, knowing Miss Merriweather well enough not to ask her would she be afraid. Oh, so whether or not she'd be afraid whether alone or not she'd be without afraid. the servants. Yeah. Okay. She did not do much better to blurt out, they do say there's burglars in town, ma'am. Very well, responded Miss Merriweather with unshaken calm. Whatever her faults, timidity was never charged to her. Be sure you lock all the doors and windows securely, and you may as well see that the galvanic battery works all right. <laughs> what? <laughs> I, I don't know. I'm mentioning some huge, like, 1895, they... They had electricity. They right. were, yeah, they were yeah, electrifying yeah. things pretty no, soon. No, it's, after it's that. more just that I do not understand the context or right. like what this would actually look like. So I'm yeah. imagining something crazy and I like know. gigantic. I don't know what the in between phase was between like a Leiden jar and like today's batteries. So I'm right. just imagining some huge contraption from like a steampunk yeah. novel or something. Picturing a bunch of gears on it and <laughs> wires and brass. You may as well see that the galvanic battery works all right. Good night. A pleasant time to you. Robbins knew when her mistress used this tone that argument would be vain, so discomfited, and with more than one wistful glance backward in the hall, she retired. Miss mm. Merriweather began to walk up and down the room. It was an attractive room with a soft ivory gleam of paint and the sprangly 
old-fashioned flowers on the creamy walls. These walls were thickly hung with watercolor sketches and pen and ink and wash drawings, which gave one an eerie sensation of familiarity like faces seen in a dream, and sometimes by some clever people of long memories were traced to a favorite illustrator being, in fact, by famous artists their original drawings for well-known magazines. One perceived also an old-fashioned air due to the presence of certain chairs and tables luxuriantly carved in dull-hued oak or tinted in old marqueterie. Marqueterie. Hmm. Marqueterie. I don't know. Some kind of Victorian style. Yeah, I imagine, I imagine it's so. very Baroque and ornamented. I don't know. Yeah. In one corner of the room, a cabinet showed all the dazzling hues of rare old china, the sumptuous gilding of Satsuma. I must. I bet that's from Japan. Mm, yeah, it sounds like it. The delicate forms of old Sevres, Sev Salves, something French. Okay. The solider opulence of color and shape of the great English makers. Hmm. A Davenport in one corner, a lounge with many pillows in another, and a tea table with its shining equipage hinted the room to be. Miss Merriweather's own special sitting room. I'm going to have to start using equipage more often. Yeah, it's, it's a good one. She never called it a boudoir, and nothing... <laughs> <laughs> never. <laughs> I, don't, I don't... I were definitely intended to think something without yeah. it being the fact. She never called it a boudoir, and nothing made her more indignant than to hear the name from anyone else. Do I look like a woman who would have a boudoir? Well, <laughs> she, do you? She had been known to demand, almost with fierceness. A boudoir is a place where girls with sloppy hair read poetry and write notes on scented paper and make poor tea that they sip with souvenir spoons. <laughs> oh, 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 oh. They're quite basic, these uh, boudoir. <laughs> look at my spoons. They are truly apostles. And isn't that Eve sprawling by that ridiculous river on that Capo de Monte teapot delicious? <laughs> okay. Must be the design on it. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. Taste my tea. A friend brought it to me from Russia. Did you ever taste such tea in a boudoir? I think not. <laughs> well, okay. We know. I feel like we finally understand her feelings about boudoirs. Yes. I, I think this is our new camelid cloak right yeah. here. Yes. Yeah. Miss Merriweather's tea was celebrated by all who were so fortunate as to drink it, but it was not the tea table to which the eye of a newcomer instinctively turned. It was a heavy Italian chest, oh. the lid adorned by two curiously wrought iron handles, the chest itself of age-stained oak, having diverse vague and grisly traditions connecting it with the treasure of a convent and the murder of faithful guardians by vandal robbers. Whoa. <laughs> How did she come to own this? <laughs> I don't, this, is where, this is where the adventure module goes yeah. into like a full-page backstory that only the GM of the game gets to understand, and the players will never know. That's, that's my favorite use of uh, word count in a <laughs> module there. Something completely not player-facing. It's very exactly. good. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, yeah. By a natural divagation of the mind hmm <laughs> i have to look that one up yeah, that's a pretty that's good a... word divagation okay hold on and it's spelled like it sounds like d-i-v-a-g-a-t-i-o-n yeah. exactly huh. so i i picture it as like a diversion or something but I don't right know. okay to digress or wander so a digression okay makes yeah, sense like divergence i guess Okay, by a natural divagation of the mind, the chest had become Miss Merriweather's safe and contained, it was said, a bona fide iron safe wherein was deposited the famous Merriweather plate. Ooh. Some descended from colonial Merriweathers, some presented by brother officers to the late General Merriweather. Also, therein sparkled the jewels of Miss Merriweather, which would not have been despised in a large city, and were regarded with awe in an Iowa town. Oh, whoa. Uh, so, like, it would be even pretty good in Boston, but here mm -hmm. in Iowa, it's like, 
there's an aura about yeah in 1895 say. iowa oh. <laughs> right <Wow. laughs> miss merriweather though a spinster and no longer young was fond of magnificence in dress on proper occasions in general she wore simple costumes always of black which recognized but did not slavishly defer to fashion Ooh. okay <laughs> So she is charting her own path here. In a way. <laughs> she's like, ah, oh, I don't like to be popular. Right. Yeah. But she's still keeping with those like basic requirements. And, you know, she's following the norm by bucking the norm. Yeah. It's like the queen of the quad cities yeah. here. Don't label me. Don't box me in. Right. Yeah. But for high toilets, she had satins and velvets. Toilets being, uh, that, I think that's like. Where you do your makeup rather right. than what we think of as a toilet yes. now, a lady's toilet. But for high toilets, she had satins and velvets and lace as ancient as her china. In person, Miss Merriweather was tall and thin, but she had a mantua maker that understood her business. I'm not hmm. sure what that is. Yeah, I'm not, not certain. When she was young and her hair was black, Miss Merriweather's Roman features might have seemed large, however finely chiseled. Now, framed in softest iron gray, they were commonly described as so distinguished. Ooh. She was of a fine carriage, a figure to notice on the streets, especially as she was a trifle absent-minded, and when she walked, had the habit of swaying her shapely right hand from side to side as if addressing an invisible audience in an audible words. Whoa. <laughs> I think she is the Camelid cloak. Yeah. There's a lot of self-importance in this. There is. Yeah. It's like... And there's a lot of an ability to see invisible people and address them constantly. Maybe she has a magic item that was in that chest somewhere. Oh One of those plates. Yeah. The the plate of true seeing. Oh, I'm worried that we're, we're very much going into the weeds. Of... <laughs> it's too late, John. Yeah, it's too late for us now. Listener, save yourself. Yeah. She had a warm heart and a quick temper. And she had been known to arrest, with the aid of sympathetic bystanders, at least half a dozen oppressors of dun brutes. She did not keep a single cat. I don't know what that last bit was about. No, I'm not sure. It sounds like unwanted attention on the street, but yeah. I'm not 100% yeah. clear. She did not keep a single cat in the house. In Pussy's place, she petted a majestic St. Bernard. Mm -hmm. Those are great mousers. So Are they? I, I would not assume so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Are those the ones that carry the brandy in their barrel in the like, Swiss Alps or yes, something? Yes. Yeah. Okay, that kind. Brown and white. Whatever her eccentricities, I must grant her some. <laughs> what? I must grant her some eccentricities for well, that long, long list. It's like I guess she is a, and a half. A, an individual person who can do whatever the hell she wants. So, <laughs> right. How empowered. She was greatly beloved by her fellow townsmen, and those who knew her best loved her most strongly. She had, however, a will of her own, and she was one who, in the language of Holy Writ, kept her promise to her hurt. Hmm. Hmm? Not sure. Thus, sometimes an impetuous temper led her into imprudent declarations out of which she could not always extract herself without great exercise of wits. Her latest dilemma engrossed her tonight. Having had the plumbing of her dwelling repaired, ooh, I feel a plumber coming on. Is this like the beginning of like the It's either that or it is the disguise for the burglar. <laughs> the burglar. Okay, yeah, could be, yeah. Burglar disguise. disguise but more than likely it is a <laughs> beginning of the, the, way, the porno. Yeah. yeah. Yes. <laughs> I heard you ordered some pipe. <laughs> right having had the plumbing of her dwelling repaired in an unlucky moment there had come a quarrel with the plumbers union over a bill Ooh. how did the whole union get involved already i don't know the result was that she sent away every man swindler of them all i would not be understood to endorse her words and was left with the water service of the house cut off and water hauled from the cisterns and a single faucet in the garden while friends sniffed apprehensively whenever they entered the house and asked her, was she not afraid of sewer gas? <laughs> That's a fair question. It's, it's dangerous. And her niece, 
who was as a daughter to her, did not dare to bring the baby to spend Thanksgiving because the child might catch diphtheria through the deadly leaking pipes. Okay, wait a minute. Okay, okay. So this highly eccentric, like trendy, but I'm not trendy lady who pisses everyone off and gets her water turned off is the one that's hosting Thanksgiving for her family. Yes, but not for the baby. But, because well, babies the... are, you know, they're the only ones vulnerable to diphtheria. So. <laughs> and water and sewer gas. Yes. I'm like just wondering if she's like a step away from calling in the Pinkertons to like bust this union or something. <laughs> just... I don't know. Ooh, yeah. Ugh. Okay, so did n- dared not bring the baby to spend Thanksgiving because the child might catch diphtheria through the deadly leaking pipes. Stuff, said Miss Merriweather. <laughs> what? <laughs> she just exclaims out, stuff. <laughs> I guess that's how it evolved into, uh, into shit. <laughs> <laughs> Stuff, said Miss Merriweather, who used strong expressions sometimes. <laughs> Being by birth and breeding quite too great a lady to disturb herself about the minor conventions. Stuff and nonsense. There are no leaks. But I'm not going to argue with you, Helen. I shall get a plumber and have you come Thanksgiving. (laughs) Helen. (laughs) Then, discerning a peculiar smile in the amiable features of Helen's husband, she added gravely, He will not belong to the union. If I have to wait to hire a union plumber, I shall wait until the pipes tumble to pieces. Whoa. But the imported pl- imported plumber? <laughs> so way- imported is the 1890s term for scab, I guess, right? <laughs> but the imported plumber, who was to put the forces of organized labor to rout, did not come. Although such is the extraordinary working of the feminine logic, he was offered as high wages as the airing and grasping union plumbers had been refused. <laughs> Miss Merriweather was sure that he had either been bought off or assassinated by the union. Oh, what? <laughs> <No>. <laughs> 1895, Davenport, Iowa. Union murders, yeah. scab plumbers. What? <laughs> she paid no heed to the theory meekly tendered by Helen's husband, to wit that, knowing the man's habits, he had cause to suspect he was simply celebrating Thanksgiving in an unholy manner on his own account. (laughs) No, poor fellow, she murmured. Most likely he is lying dead in some alleyway with all his ribs broken. They do such things. What? (laughs) The unions. They do such things. They just beat people with lead pipes. (laughs) Okay, fair enough. Striking was a much more literal action back then. Yeah, (laughs) what? Therefore, it was with a gloomy soul she beheld the night before Thanksgiving. I never was so little thankful in my life, she murmured. (laughs) (laughs) And I was so bent on having that plumbing done in time to have Helen and show that Vance that I am a match for the plumber's union if I am a lone woman. Miss Merriweather was not used to be beaten. It galled. She had mailed letters to different plumbers asking for bids by telegraph, but, peer as she might, she could not see a loophole of escape for her this time. She went to bed early, but for a long while she could not sleep. She thought of the plumber's union and her own defeat and raged anew. And when, at last, she was just slipping off into the shadows of peace, She heard the softest of footfalls. Uh Uh-oh. Surely she had closed the doors on Diogenes the dog. (laughs) Diogenes, wow. I think there's like there's a like an intellectual little bit of wordplay in there because Diogenes was the cynic, right? And cynic actually meant dog in Greek. They called Mm -hmm. them dogs. Yes. Surely she had closed the door on Diogenes the dog. Hadn't she closed the door? Her mind drove her backward over that hasty journey through the rooms downstairs. Diogenes had a mat in that laundry and the range of the kitchen. She certainly had closed one of the kitchen doors. Hadn't she closed the kitchen door upstairs? She had. At least she had seen that the door to the cellar was fast. And she thought she had bolted the door upstairs. How did people ever feel certain about anything enough to swear that it happened? <laughs> the footsteps were nearer in the sitting room which adjoined the chamber. Her first thought was for the safety of the tea table with its precious braid. 
<laughs> wow. She was sure if she called to the dog kindly, he would begin wagging his tail, that tremendous brush which, with one sweep, might hurl her idols into irredeemable, smashing, crushing ruin. Whoa. <laughs> oh, dog tails. Oh, Diogenes the St. Bernard. Oh. Sternness was the only chance. Down, charge, die, she commanded. Bad dog, down. A particularly mild voice answered her. It ain't a dog, miss. It's a man. A man? Whoa. Repeated Miss Merriweather. <laughs> Hopefully not from the plumber's union. <laughs> well, of course it was not well, but Miss Merriweather just then did not think of the nicer meanings of words. Yes, ma'am, the voice repeated. Don't be alarmed. I'm a man. A burglar. <laughs> what? <laughs> yes. As a as a gentleman burglar, I must announce myself as such and show that I mean no harm. A soft voiced burglar. Yes. Ma'am. Just yes. just 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 don't worry about don't it. Don't worry, just a burglar, just passing through. Miss Merriweather showed no signs of alarm. In the first place, she had a fearless soul. In the second place, the voice was so mild, so almost apologetic that it aroused her sense of humor. <laughs> I don't know but that you are less of a nuisance than the dog would be, she said. You stay right where you are, and I will turn on the electric lights. Don't move, or you'll hit something. <laughs> Please don't break my things accidentally. Just steal them. <laughs> Just steal them like all the other good burglars. All right, ma'am, said the burglar. Only no pulling out a pop, you know, and firing it off at me in the dark. Hit or miss. <laughs> Whoa. Yeah, please do not wildly shoot at me. <laughs> Certainly not. At least, not until I can see you, said Miss Butterweather. <laughs> <laughs> I don't trust my ability to no-scope you through these walls here. <laughs> all, all the while, she was hastily donning a wrapper and slippers. Then she turned on the lights. The burglar stood directly under the blaze. He did not look like a burglar. It was no what? <laughs> not like any burglar I've ever seen. He was not wearing a black and white striped prison jumpsuit and like a <laughs> blindfold. Yeah, where's his sack with the dollar sign on it? <laughs> the burglar stood directly under the blaze. He did not look like a burglar. There was nothing much in his pale face except the look of recent sickness and hopelessness. His clothes were like any workman's, a pair of blue soiled overalls with something like a bib front and a patched check shirt. His hat, it was a hat, and not the cap in which artists, for reasons best known to themselves, delight to depict the burglar. <laughs> <laughs> As we do. <laughs> was a very battered soft felt, and it was not pulled down over his black brows. It was pushed back from dark brown locks. He looked like a workman out of a job. His hands, one of which held a pistol, were calloused and stained, a working man's hands. Hmm. When Miss Merriweather loomed upon him, one may say darted, since that was the effect of the springing of the light upon her image, he lifted his empty hand to his hat. I don't want to disturb you, ma'am, he repeated, but I've got to have some money. And I did come into your house with a deadly weapon in hand, just just to let you know. And she is a lone woman, as yeah. she stated earlier. Yes. Mm -hmm. Why? Said Miss Merriweather. <laughs> <laughs> Why would someone want money? Why would a poor, dispossessed worker want money? She was quite at her ease and had taken a rocking chair. <laughs> what? She's just rocking back and forth. Why'd you want the money? <laughs> Why, that man echoed bitterly, because I prefer to steal to see my wife dying for one of things done for her, and my children without shoes to their feet, and never abide amongst us all this day. But I, I beg your pardon, lady. I wasn't meaning to swear, but I'm wore out. Haven't you had anything to eat today? said Miss Merriweather. He shook his head. A stiff lock of brown hair, which stood up on the top of his head, wagged at the motion. It gave him a grotesque look. <laughs> he certainly was frightfully thin. Humph, said Miss Merriweather. Well, you sit down in that rocking chair and stay there until I come up again. 
don't you burgle anything until I come back. Then we'll see what we can do. Wow. <laughs> you ain't going to telephone the police to nab me? Miss Merriweather waved her hand toward the wall at a telephone. It isn't customary in houses of people who are not millionaires to have two telephones, said she. I'm going to bring you something to eat. Well, okay. I guess because she's going out of the room, so yep. he's worried she's yep. going to use a different phone. Yeah, that, but... <laughs> so. wow. Is she going to finally get that economic insecurity sometimes feeds crime? <laughs> Perhaps. Mm-hmm. I won't touch a thing, lady, promised the burglar. I've been drooved to this. I truly have. Miss Merriweather encouraged him by a nod and departed, lighted candle in hand. Never, it seemed to her, had she heard so many sinister noises as pricked her ears while her candle flitted from pantry to sideboard. Boards creaked under her tread as they never creaked in the daytime, and every door she touched sent up a long shriek of remonstrance. Didn't it say earlier that she had, like, nerves of steel or something? Yeah. Yeah, she's like, creak, ah! But Diogenes slept calmly in the laundry. Good dog. (laughs) Miss Merriweather shook her head. She carried a revolver in her hand, which she laid on the tray. Wow. Yep. Just a lot of (laughs) casual threats with deadly weapons. As an American, I feel I have to, like, vindicate at least some of us that we don't all carry weapons. At least not anymore. No. There's parts of the country where this would be pretty normal, I guess, but... Yeah, or like... But yeah, just casually taking it out. Yeah, I don't know. This feels kind of... Yeah, it feels very Wild Westy. Yeah, it's very... It's a very different time. Yeah. (laughs) People would have, like, a gun safe and that kind of thing if they were doing this today. Yeah. At least hopefully. He seems like a decent sort of submerged unfortunate... Thus ran her meditations while she provisioned the tray. But he may be wicked and run after me downstairs. If he does, die and the gun will have to hurt him. (laughs) (laughs) She thought of waking the sleeping dog and taking him upstairs, but the peril to the china of Diogenes' clumsy bulk seemed so much greater to her intrepid soul than any personal danger from the mild-mannered burglar (laughs) that she dismissed the suggestion as soon as it appeared. When she entered her sitting room again and saw how starved and tired her burglar looked, she was glad of her decision. He was leaning back in his chair, his pistol still in one limp hand, his head laid back, showing his miserably thin neck and the white glare full on the haggard pallor of his face. His eye brightened at the sight of the tray. Miss Merriweather, making no comment, lighted the lamp under the silver chafing dish and as it burned, she buttered the slices of bread and placed beef between them. I am afraid the beef is a little underdone for your taste, observed she kindly, and I hope you don't care for mustard, for I forgot it. But I've put on salt and pepper, and they were the best done pieces I could find. The soup will be warm in a minute. Now, you drink this glass of wine. <laughs> <laughs> She's just going to get him drunk and turn him in. <laughs> the man drank it, keeping his eyes on her. Then he laid the pistol on the table. I ain't going to use it, he said. Much better not, returned Miss Merriweather. The truth is, I've long had a curiosity to see a burglar. Uh Uh-oh, it's one of these fantasies. Yes. (laughs) And I rather have planned things that way. But I didn't expect he would be so decent as you seem. How do you like that wine? It's old Jacques Porte. The burglar looked rather bewildered, but answered that it was the best wine he had ever tasted. He added, ingenuously, that he had not tasted much wine. <laughs> this this makes sense. You are not at all like a professional burglar, remarked the lady, who had now come to ladling out the steaming soup. I think you must be an amateur. <laughs> kind of seems like it, right? I never touched a thing it wasn't my own before, lady, so help me. Well, you haven't touched anything yet, now. <laughs> you have uh, trespassed in I feel like, I feel like she home. gestures to her bosom. You haven't touched anything yet, <laughs> oh, now. Oh. <laughs> Interrupted Miss Merriweather, who had a mania for accuracy. She continued, I suppose you are putting that sandwich into your pocket for your family. Don't do it. I'll make you up a basket for them. Tell me what brought you such a decent man, to this pass. The man smeared his eyes with his hand before he began. I never seen a lady like you, said he. 
I'm just going to tell you the honest truth. I was working in Chicago. I belonged to the junior plumbers. Oh, if you were a plumber, it must have come natural to you to rob. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> the burglar acknowledged the sally by a faint smile. We ain't so bad as they make us out. Well, hard times came and work fell off. And the union wouldn't let us work below wages. So he is a union. Yeah. So I left the union. Oh, he's not union. Fact is, I couldn't keep up my dues. He's not union anymore. Yeah, this is a very strong anti-union yeah, message. This is, I feel, <laughs> I feel like, like, oh, they forced their workers to work at a fair rate and not get jobs. <laughs> yeah. I think we're finally seeing what's at work here. We're yeah. pulling back the curtain here yeah. on this one. <laughs> Do you mean to tell me, cried Miss Merriweather, springing from her chair in strong agitation, do you mean to tell me you are not a union man? Don't think of burgling me. I can give you a great deal better job, and I will advance you money on it too. This house is only about half plumbed. If you will take hold and get this plumbing done by six o'clock tomorrow, I will pay you well. Well... <laughs> All he has to do is garner the hatred of the plumbers union and be beaten to death in yeah. the streets of uh, some city in Iowa. <laughs> yeah. And then he can feed his family. Burglar turned scab. What could go wrong? <laughs> <laughs> and you shall have two men to help you who aren't plumbers, but have some sense and a boy to run to the shop to get the tools. Where's she going to get these people in the middle of the night? Got to have it done by six o'clock, right? Craigslist. Craig's, Craig's list. Or Angie's hours. list. I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah. Are you a good plumber? Yes, ma'am, I was. But you see, I went to Pullman and worked there till the strike came. I didn't strike, but I joined the ARU afterwards so as to get the relief. The strike lasted so long I used up all my savings, and then I didn't get back after all. So I'm a little out of practice, but I guess I can satisfy you. <laughs> well, hopefully she she will not she needs to be satisfied. She needs to be satisfied. But I guess I can satisfy you. I'll try hard. You shall have a chance anyhow. So you went to Pullman, and why didn't you get back there when the strike ended? They didn't take all the men, ma'am, and I heard of a job in Chicago, so I moved there, and I got it, sure enough, but it only lasted a little while, and then I wrote to the new factory they was starting there. And the glucose works. <laughs> what? The glucose factory. For, so they are for nineteenth make... century diabetics. Yeah. <laughs> and got a job. But the first week I came down with the typhoid fever. Oh. And I worked with the fever on me. <laughs> so I just kept working. Oh my god. And I did take whiskey to kinder hold me up, for I was wild to think of losing my job. But I wasn't drunk. Though somebody said so, so I lost it. And another feller got it. Well, I guess he needed it bad too. But that's how it was. I went home and was sick awful bad for six weeks. And when I got up again, there was nothing I could get. And the baby come just then, God forgive it. And I guess he knowed he was none too welcome, for he's been hollering ever since. Doctor says he needs some kinder food, nestling food or some such name. And I wanted to get it. For I some way don't just want him to die if he is mean. Then I wanted to get my woman things. And she's an awful nice woman, I'll say that. And about all we've got, she's earned washing. I've been out a week, walking about a hundred miles, I guess, begging for a job everywhere. I heard jobs were to be had, but you see, we were strangers. And there ain't enough work to go around among the old men. Today, as I went back from the shoe factory across the river and seen all the turkeys in the winders, and remembered how there wasn't a bite in our house for today nor for tomorrow, I looked at the rich folks and that don't love their families a mite better and I love mine. I got kinder wild, I guess. I never had grudged those folks their money before. I was willing to work hard, and not to have very much, but now it seems as if there wasn't an inch of room for me and my family on this earth. We'd pawned every last thing we could pawn, and there we was, a-starvin'. But good gracious, exclaimed Miss Merriweather, who had with difficulty refrained from interrupting him before. Why didn't you go to the Associated Charities or to the Industrial Aid? Well, you see, lady, we ain't used to being poor. 
We didn't know about them places. Lady, I tell ya, it ain't the poverty poor that gets squeezed the hardest when there's hard times. Bless you, no. They're used to leaning on other folks, and they just lop over a little heavier. But it's the decent folks that never knew the way to poor overseer's office before, or even to the pawn shop that catch it. Oh my goodness. Yeah, this is definitely propaganda from the high yeah, It very much <laughs> feels like the whole thing of like, oh, look at these people who are slightly poorer than you. They are parasites. They are taking your things. Yeah, like, this is like a very early paranoia against like New Deal style kind of yeah. politics or something. Yeah. They suffer and don't holler about it. <laughs> like, And it like totally vindicates the middle class oh, yeah. guy, right? Specifically the like working middle class type. yeah i i feel like this is like 19th century trump supporters written or yeah this. or like kind of the fox news thing yeah yeah i see said miss merriweather go on <laughs> well there ain't much more said the man very neatly folding the napkin i told my wife i'd got a job and i would have the money for a turkey tomorrow not to fret i'd get some advanced i went straight out meaning to enter somebody's house and get enough to buy a Thanksgiving dinner. I prowled about for a long time, first deciding on one house and then on another. By and by, I saw all the folks in your kitchen going out and the light upstairs, and says I, that lady is all alone by herself, and I can get some money easy. So I come. Master burglar. <laughs> but how did you get in? The windows are bowered downstairs. Yes, um, they look like good windows. But I come in by the door, the kitchen door, <laughs> the kitchen door. I reasoned like the girls would have some place where they hid the kitchen key and I could hunt it up. Most like it would be under the doormat. And that's where it was, too. <laughs> but I feel like we still haven't learned that lesson today. No, no, we haven't. <laughs> ah, they shall have a latch key, every one of them. Of course you got in. But didn't you wake the dog? No, ma'am. He just slept like the dead. Them big dogs is just like men about sleeping. They sleep so sound. <laughs> <laughs> but when you came up the stairs, what did you do about the mat at the foot of the stairs? The lights ought to have sprung up and the bells rung. Your instant your foot touched the mat. Wait, she's got an alarm system? Yeah, that. I wonder if that's the galvanic battery thing that the was being talked. The galvanic battery powers a, like a trap? Yeah. <laughs> like a Gary Gygax kind of like... So, yeah, basically this weird electronic uh, <laughs> alarm light siren thing. So there's a steampunk, like, like gears-winding galvanic trap. Yeah, I am very curious Triggered about by a pressure be. plate after, the, like, the party's rogue accidentally steps on it. Oh, my goodness. Wow. But it seems like he bypassed it, so... Let's yeah, he's, he's actually a pretty... He might be a better burglar than a plumber, after yeah. all. Yeah. A lot of this seems to be, like, thinking on your feet, kind of luck-based stuff. He's not much of a planner, but, uh... <laughs> yeah. Why, you see, lady, said the burglar apologetically, he seemed to fear lest she should be hurt by the failure of her carefully planned burglar traps. <laughs> <laughs> you see, I naturally struck a match now and then to see my way, and when I come on that plain, common mat in that beautiful hall with the handsome rugs about... I knowed it to be a burglar mat. <laughs> what? This is just common knowledge that... Oh, yeah, that's totally what a burglar mat looks like. <laughs> the one mat that seems out of place. It's like the one part of the wall that just is slightly discolored is obviously a secret door. You know? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I knowed it to be a burglar mat, so I just stepped over it. <laughs> I've no doubt about all the things would have happened if I had stepped on it, right? I don't know, said Miss Merriweather gloomily. Maybe the plumbers got it out of order. But come here, open the chest. She pointed to the nun's chest against the wall, and the burglar obediently lay his pistol down to do her bidding. An inner chest of iron was disclosed, having two projecting handles. Lift the cover, commanded Miss Merriweather. A smile of grim expectation parted her firm lips. <laughs> this is when the gonna... poison gas comes out of her chest. <laughs> she she's, like, she's like doing plotty fingers, you know, she's like, yes, lift the chest. Yes, and I can bring his body to H.H. Holmes over in Chicago. <laughs> be turned into a skeleton. Skeleton. Skeleton is not the correct pronunciation. <laughs> it is in this era. Yeah. 
<laughs> Lift the cover, commanded Miss Merriweather. A smile of grim expectation parted her firm lips. Now approached her triumph. <laughs> D- triumph. <laughs> the burglar laid his hands on the knobs and pensively nodded his head, screwing up his mouth like a man recognizing a familiar flavor. Yes'm, said he. Galvanic battery, ain't it? Kinder prickly. <laughs> I'll waken the current, said Miss Merriweather. You must be a perfect Spartan not to call out. Oh, it must have actually shocked him? Yeah, but he's just so tough, you know? Ah, I'll weaken the current. So, like, I'll turn down the power. Yeah. Weird. So, actually, he's probably like, Yeah, some galvanic battery, ain't it? Kind of perkly. <laughs> oh, what? This is really weird. Yeah, I know. This is not at all what I expected. No. <laughs> I was like, maybe there'd be something funny in there, but <laughs> this is pretty weird. It is. I just feel like we're always like a half step away from her murdering him and doing something just awful. Yeah. I'm not sure if this is a like a Halloween like murder yeah. story or is it a Thanksgiving story or what. Finally having something to offer up to the invisible people that she's like waving <laughs> right? at in the streets. Yes. yes. And so wanting not to be trendy with fashion, she's like going to wear his skin as like a <laughs> new coat or something. <laughs> <laughs> oh, come in, you poor laborer. I yes. have such things to show you. <laughs> such sights to show you. Well, you see, I rather suspicioned what it was, the burglar replied, letting his hands drop. How can you get your hands away? cried Miss Merriweather. So it was strong enough that you wouldn't be able to let go? Right. Wow. Ain't you weak in the current? deprecated the burglar. Psh, I thought you had, or I wouldn't have taken them down. I'm real sorry. <laughs> what? Miss Merriweather laughed. Everything is a failure, said she. You ought to be held a prisoner with your shoulders hunched up. It's all wrong. <laughs> it's like this is her dungeon. Yeah, I know. <laughs> she's like she's like the like lich queen in like the middle of it that's dismayed that the PCs made it through all her traps. I know, I know. <laughs> And she's finally going to have to, like, face them head on just yes. because none of these other things worked. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no, it ain't, ma'am. The burglar tried to reassure her. It ain't no manner of doubt them mats downstairs would work splendid. We can try going down. What? <laughs> but, just... these, but these here galvanic batteries are mighty unreliable. <laughs> <laughs> ne- never mind. I can fix it all right for you. I'm glad I came, though. I'm glad he did come. So am I, said Miss Merriweather. Do you think something is the matter with this too? Displaying her revolver. (laughs) Whoa. Is this going to bore a neat uh, little hole in your body somewhere, my friend? It was a big revolver of glossy and iridescent black. Not a feminine frippery about it. No pearl, no silver. A revolver that meant business. It showed its intentions honorably. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no, it's all right, said the burglar, admiring. You could have plugged me, sure. Unless you shot me first. <laughs> that would have been a difficult. Seem mine ain't loaded, and there's something the matter with the trigger, so it ain't got off. Else, it would have been in the pawn shop instead of here. <laughs> Whoa. Well, sighed Miss Merriweather, it's a mercy you tried to burgle me with that useless thing instead of someone else. Now, for goodness sake... Come downstairs and let me give you that basket and get you off before the servants come. Get you off before the servants well, yeah. come. <laughs> Miss Merriweather had very much the sensations of a burglar in her own house, as she despoiled the larder, the friendly burglar, holding the candle. They hurried at every glimpse of the clock. They trembled at all the creakings of the floor. Robbins never did stay out before later than twelve or one. It's a cor- Great heavens! Miss Merriweather jumped. Suddenly she was bathed in a flood of light, and bells seemed to be ringing all over the house. Uh-oh. Oh, boy. <laughs> I think she tripped one of her own traps. Probably. I guess the mats is straight good, said the burglar. <laughs> <laughs> you trod on it by mistake, ma'am. Say, what's that? They're hollering in the yard. I'll try this door. No, you will not, said Miss Merriweather Whoa. all herself again. You will stay just where you are while I open the door. She was at the hall door before she ended. Not the plumbers. <laughs> Calling loudly to the shrieking maids who came in timidly, except Robbins. 
in the rear of the two men, who were none too valorous. <laughs> Nothing is the matter, said Miss Merriweather. I stepped on the mat myself. It works perfectly. <laughs> Harriet, I've engaged a plumber, and he is to work all night, and the plumbing will be done by tomorrow afternoon. If you need those extra tools, you better go home and get them now. Then turning on the bewildered burglar, and you don't need that candle anymore. Put it down, and don't forget the basket. No, ma'am. Thank you, ma'am. The burglar responded meekly, and I'll be back. <laughs> as soon as you can, there's no time to lose, said Miss Merriweather. He is a good plumber, she announced calmly to her dazed domestic staff, and I was lucky to get him. I have sent a basket of things to his family. Get him a good breakfast tomorrow morning, and I hope we shall have a Thanksgiving after all. I shan't forget how good you all are in these emergencies. The household knew too well Miss Merriweather's generosity for these special efforts to be unhappy, but Robin summed up the general mixture of disapprobation and admiration. She said, Did you ever see the like? I believe Miss Eleanor would get her will if she had to tear the world up by the roots. <laughs> I believe Miss Eleanor would get her will if she had to tear the world up by the roots. Huh. I have no idea what that means. So I would imagine it means like get her will as in get what she wants. Uh -huh. If she has to like tear everything down. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. The plumbing was done and well done by four of the next afternoon. The burglar's family, as well as the Merryweather gathering, dined late that Thanksgiving. I cannot find any good moral in this tale unless it be contained in Miss Merryweather's own subsequent reflections. Now, aren't the ways of Providence queer? Here's my burglar got a good plumber shop and lots of custom simply by an unsuccessful attempt to rob. But then, it is a merciful thing that, as our best intentions are liable to bring harm and misfortune, so our bad ones run off the track sometimes, too. And anyhow, it wasn't because he was a burglar he was so lucky, but because he was such a remarkably gentle and propitiating burglar. If he hadn't been, I should have had to shoot him, or sick Diogenes on him. I hope it will be a lesson to us both, that it is better far to rule by love than fear, and kind words can never die, and all that kind of thing. And it was certainly a mercy to me that I feel truly thankful for. I don't know how I could have beaten the plumbers without him. <laughs> so the moral of the story is... <laughs> so, first off, be, a... <laughs> be very wealthy. Second off, you have to have a like tide of economic insecurity that puts people out of work, leads to somebody becoming sickly after treating their typhoid with whiskey, mm -hmm. and then unable to find work for their family, getting desperate enough that they try and break in, and then because they are an incompetent burglar who you just happen to not murder because your traps don't quite work, <laughs> right? Um, you are then able to turn them against the plumber's union. Exactly. And get your work done so that your, so your grandniece, the, the niece's daughter, right? The, the baby yeah. can then come in and not be killed by the gas that you're allowing in your house because <laughs> right. you hate the plumbers. <laughs> I don't know why she didn't just leave the pipes like that. That would have been a much better trap than anything else. Oh, but it's only only dangerous to infants. So <laughs> an adult is completely safe from, Apparently. Uh, from gas. <laughs> wow. Yeah, I just, I love how the la the last word is against the union. I, I beat the plumbers. <laughs> yes. I'm yes. so thankful that I beat the damn union. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I feel like this should be the Labor Day uh, yeah. episode. <laughs> All right. Oh, wow. That So we've done a lot of public domain theater 3000s, but I don't think I've encountered one that was that unexpected. Yeah, that, that took a turn. <laughs> like, I figured that at some point there was going to be, like, a coming together and doing Thanksgiving. Yeah. But just the, like, sheer, like, edge of murder that it was constantly <laughs> on right. was so great. Yeah. And the weird class issues. Yes. Like, I, I figured it was just going to be some really anodyne thing that would have a plumber and a burglar that we could make jokes about. Yeah. And then it would be like, and then we all sat together at the table and thanked Jesus for how wonderful this country is. Yeah. But 
<laughs> and it just like it makes me want to think of like what so I'm picturing like the Quad Cities area of Iowa in like the 1890s, which was probably a pretty big commercial thing because of like getting stuff down the river. So what's the Quad Cities exactly? So you have like a number of cities like close to the Illinois border that I mm-hmm. think um, used to be pretty big commercial cities. And I think a lot of them are like university towns now. Okay. And I just wonder if that was like kind of a boom area back then because of like mm-hmm. getting stuff down river, mm-hmm. like agricultural products and sure. stuff like kind of on the edge of Chicago area. I have a couple of friends who live down in Iowa City, uh-huh. um, so I would be curious to ask them about it. Huh. Yeah, okay. Well, let me know how it turns out. Yeah. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I just I can't imagine just like being a 19th century lone woman and feeling like you have to trap your house. <laughs> right. <laughs> and step over a certain mat every time you walk up those yeah, particular stairs. Yeah, and your servants and... to deal with all of these traps. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, don't you go stepping on that there plain mat. <laughs> yeah. And just like the, specifically like the galvanic battery thing was. <laughs> Which had to be huge. Yeah. How do you huge, hide that? Huge battery that's intended to like immobilize a person who is trying to steal your like family jewels, which come from like back in colonial days. Yeah. Just... yeah, she has a treasure. What treasure class was she? I don't know. She's got a hoard. I don't remember the classes. I'm wow. going to say D or E. But... Yeah. <laughs> that's so funny. Well, I think we'll have to cut it off there. Um, that's <laughs> That was good. That was good. Yeah, definitely. Well, that's it for this episode today. Thank you, John, for being on the show once yeah, again. Thank you for having me. It's very fun. <laughs> yes. Thanks for listening, everybody. Everybody, if you like what we're doing here and you want to express your Thanksgiving gratitude, uh, please don't do it at Revolver Point. But what you can do, as long as you step over the uh, digital doormat on our website, uh, is you can support the show by donating on Patreon. And if you do, you get your portrait drawn in the time period and culture of your choosing. I can draw you up as a gentle burglar, if you like. <laughs> or or a, a lone woman who's just waiting to have her burglar fantasy fulfilled. Yes. <laughs> or a galvanic battery. Me, I'll just, I'll draw you as a trap, basically. <laughs> just go to www.patreon.com forward slash dead ideas pod to show your support. All right, everybody. Happy Thanksgiving. I'll see you next time. And I'm BT Newberg, and this is Dead Ideas. Mm-hmm.